Hello, I'm Josiah. And I'm Injiska. We were missionaries for seven years. Until we stepped back in 2019 to seek health and re-examine our beliefs. Right now, I'm a Christian, but not an evangelical. And I'm an agnostic and also very much not an evangelical. And we are deconstructing. And reconstructing. <laughs> together. together. Listen to some of our key episodes, such as... Deconstructing Together. Domestic Abuse. I'm a Survivor. The Cult of ATI Part 1 and 2, and Dehumanized by Purity Culture. Join us on our journey as we seek health together. together. (laughs) A little cheesy there. (laughs) That's us. So, together. Together. Um, I'm going to mind control you. You're going (laughs) to... I am going to do the dishes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to clean the house, change the diaper, (laughs) empty the garbages. So I was wondering if you could help me think. All right. Because sometimes it's good to just kind of talk and hear how your words sound as they come out of your mouth and then have somebody intelligent repeat back to you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so we were visiting with friends a couple of weeks, about a month or two ago, actually. And um, friends that had kind of deconstructed or had like a, you know, alternate spiritual experience. Um, not alternate dimensions, but anyways. Um <laughs> And I said something, something came out of my mouth that was interesting because I said that I kind of brainwashed myself into believing certain things uh, while I was a missionary. And then I paused because that was a pretty strong thing to say. Yeah. Uh, Mind control, brainwashing yourself. And then I said, no, that is what I meant to say. I brainwashed myself. Um, And so I, I... it's just kind of been in my mind because we have talked more about cults and mind control and, you know, spiritual abuse and different things, how we can do that to ourselves, you mm-hmm. know, because like we were kind of leaders, we were kind of, um, and we did have a fair amount of autonomy. Like we weren't, yeah. you know, some people have this experience where there's like a domineering one person over them, but we were kind of, we didn't have a lot of oversight. We were kind of the leaders. Yeah. And so in some ways, it's like, I can't blame anybody else. I mean, I, there, there were other... Some people always find a way to blame others for their problems. <laughs> There's always somebody I can blame. <laughs> but in many ways, I was in the driver's seat. But I felt the need to not think certain things. Because if I thought certain things, my life would get very complicated. Yeah, well, we had, even though we were fairly independent, we still had a lot of people behind us, like making it feasible for us to be there. So not only our mission that let us be fairly independent, but we were still accountable to them. And then supporters and sending churches and like it, that still contributed to, that still created boundaries that we should not cross Mm -hmm. in our thoughts and in our questioning or our beliefs. Like there's some things that you just don't question, otherwise you're out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And that is... I don't know if this is sidetracked for what you want to say, but it is part of the evangelical church. If you want to be, if that's your career to be an evangelical, <laughs> basically mm-hmm. pastor or Bible school teacher or missionary through the evangelical church, um, there's some things that you don't question. Mm-hmm. You don't ask questions about certain things because then you no longer fit that bubble. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in a way you sort of, if you can't question it, you want to keep your mind from even going there. So you yeah. sort of brainwash yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And there's almost this 
strange paradox as a very honest person. Like, I know that if I go down this path and start believing something, well, I can't just pretend I don't believe it. Yeah. And I can't say, like, then I can't sign doctrinal statements and then I can't in good conscience have certain conversations with people. And so before I go down that path, I'm going to kind of section off certain things where I'm just not even going to research them. I'm not even going to think about them. And I'm going to say, I don't know on, you know, plausible deniability about certain things I don't know, even though realistically, if I study them, I kind of have an idea what I would end up believing, but I'm Mm -hmm. just going to leave it as a vague thing. Yeah. Well, I remember you talking a lot about that over the years, actually, Mm -hmm. like trying to make yourself believe that you just didn't know about these subjects and you Mm -hmm. couldn't hadn't had time to research it yet or you know and talk about like creationism and uh end times and things like that it's like those are big issues that are make or break an evangelical yeah (laughs) especially if it's your career as a pastor or teacher so if you've i think you always felt a little bit this nagging thought behind your mind that if I research this, I kind of know already what I want to believe. Mm-hmm. Like, not what I want to believe, but, you know, like what I'm going to believe. Mm-hmm. So I'm just not going to study it or go there so that I can remain in the fold. Yeah. And there's this strange, like, like the ministry is a little bit like being in the army in the sense that, like, if you're in the army, it's not like you're going to switch to a different career like or like you're not like in the automotive industry and you can switch from Ford to Chevrolet it's like if you're in the military that's the only place you can be so you have to excel within that yeah and it's like in ministry it's like if you're in ministry and especially if you're kind of in a certain type of denomination or which really most people are yeah I mean it's you can't just switch Anglican jump over to (laughs) to united switch over you know like you you do end up putting your energy into one place and then you're working on getting rapport and getting trusted and getting accepted and getting i mean so much of your like like you don't get promoted like in the army but you develop trust yeah and and you get a certain amount of trust and a certain amount of credibility and then you can get certain positions that you couldn't have if you didn't have that rapport and that trust mm-hmm. and you know that's a system it's how yeah it works <laughs> it's it's how it works and it it takes time and um you know one of the things with that is and i mean that's another thing of control is you really have to avoid even mentioning certain issues because the worst thing that can happen is for somebody to feel uneasy about you. Mm. Like, because you spend so much time building that trust. But if somebody says, ah, you know, I was just uneasy about your sermon or worse yet, if somebody says about you, you know, like he was kind of, I'm not sure where he was going with that sermon. or I'm not sure where he was going with that book or that blog post or whatever. If people get the sense that you're questioning the wrong sorts of things then that can undermine that confidence that you have now all of a sudden instead of getting not promoted but maybe trusted with a position or or something you know you won't have those same, same it takes away the security yeah in your career yeah which you know it's not just a career it's a way of supporting your family yeah 
And everybody has to have that. Mm -hmm. So some people choose to go into ministry as the way to make their livelihood. Mm -hmm. And some people choose to go to other jobs. Mm -hmm. And we code it in spiritual language, but like, like we are called to, you know, Mm -hmm. or whatever, but like, but it's still a career choice Mm -hmm. and it still has to support you. So, I mean, if you became a counselor, professional counselor, like license, you have certain things that you cannot do because Mm -hmm. you're in that field. If you're a doctor, there's certain things you cannot say to your patients because you're under a board and same with dentists and like a lot of different things well within evangelicalism there is that as well mm-hmm. and those are things that probably became more apparent as you know as a 20 year old you think oh yeah or a 25 year old i'm going to pursue ministry and you know i'm going to stay true to my convictions and and whatever and maybe you make a few switches and then you kind of get in a track but at 35 when you got kids and a mortgage it and then you know we were always kind of just barely making it on support and it was like more of a burden as far as like no like really we can't we can't go to certain issues we can't think about certain things we can't afford to we can't afford piss people off (laughs) Because, yeah, and then we, maybe it was even worse for us, like a, one pastor, perhaps he could even control the narrative or he can have, you know, more say. But we ha- we were in a situation where we had people from all sorts of denominations. Mm-hmm. And so if you can think of a Venn diagram with Mennonites and Baptists and, and brethren, and, brethren <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> so where do they all overlap? All right. The overlap in apologetics. That's what I can talk about. Kind of the essentials yeah. of the faith. But even there, you can't question certain things about, you know, how the Bible was written or, um, you know, what the salvation story actually is or um, dangerous debates like creationism, feminism. Um, Feminism. Yeah. I mean, and (laughs) yeah, so those sorts of things, like, because I couldn't have those discussions, I couldn't think because I need to have discussions to think. Yeah. And that's why this last little bit has been so fun because I'm putting things out there and people are discussing back and then in the process I actually think and I'm actually discovering a part of myself come alive through thinking and thinking in community with other people and it makes some people I can tell it makes some people feel very uneasy because it's like you know it's questioning something that they hold really dear and you know nobody really likes that destabilized feeling like when there's something that they really, really hold absolutely true and somebody starts to poke at that and question that, like it does cause some anxiety, right? And then some people have even more of a sense of they have to control everything about their world. And so some people feel really uneasy about that. And at a certain point, it's like, maybe my discussions aren't the place for you, you know? And, um, but... But if it's you, you're a thinker, mm-hmm. you're academics so like you're well not just academics but like you're a thinker mm-hmm. that that's always how you've been and you really like to have discussion to help think it through and challenge challenge yourself challenge your beliefs and make you think deeper and even if you have the same beliefs as what someone else is challenging 
you'll stay kind of you'll still like play devil's advocate a little mm-hmm. bit and but it helps you think through more of the issues because really we need each other yeah like we're made for community mm-hmm. everybody like this is humans humanity we're yeah. made for for community we need each other and we bring different perspectives and that helps like you can't develop your whole theology on your own you yeah. know like you need other perspectives to help balance you out but you need to think it through <laughs> not just accept someone else's yeah view <laughs> and i guess probably because of how i was raised there is something in me that that just feels very uneasy when people are very sure about their beliefs yeah and I think it's just better all around if you have a little bit of uneasiness about your beliefs or or understand that there's other perspectives or, yeah. you know, so I do sometimes play devil's advocate or just poke out or just present the other side of things when people are so sure about their beliefs. Because realistically, when you study the Bible more, you realize it's not black and white. Yeah. And, and there are, I mean, there's a lot going on in the Bible and the only way that you can say the Bible tells me this and have absolute certainty about it is if you haven't really studied the, well, it, it that, that sort of certainty often comes from um, not having studied as much about the history and the culture and understanding all the different genres and then all the different historical perspectives ways that Christians have interpreted the same passages differently over the last 2,000 years. When you just get a broader, and even different ways that Christians across the world examine the same thing from different perspectives. When you when you get all that in the picture, it, you have to admit that some that a lot of things, it's it's more um, gray than you, that's not saying there's, you can't, it's not saying that there is no truth, but that truth is not just black and white. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be some wiggle room in, in how we interpret that. Well, one of the turning points for me in Bible school, like Bible school is the first place I really went to away from home. I was 19, 20. Well, because I'd done a year of missions between high school and Bible mm-hmm. school. But anyway, I went to Bible school with my HI background where like they basically tell you all the standards that you should have as personal standards. <laughs> and and make you commit to it like I will not dance I will not drink I will not, all these things um, and I remember sitting in class the second semester and I went there with wall around me like all these people are not good enough Christians basically I'm gonna protect myself I'm, I'm only here to get the certificate that I need to be able to go overseas as full-time missionary because mission boards actually require you to have a year or two of Bible school. Which <laughs> <laughs> is not a bad thing. Which is not a bad thing, but I felt I already knew it all because mm-hmm. I was homeschooled so deep in Christianity that I felt I had it all. So I was going more for just the, the paper mm-hmm. at the end. Um, but one of the classes, maybe it was ethics, I don't know. But like I, we were put in these teams and we had to debate opposite. Like one team would debate for and the other team would debate against. And I don't remember the subject at hand. It might have been dancing. Because um, that is a controversial topic in some aspects of Christianity or fundamentalism. And I I knew all the arguments against it. Mm-hmm. Because ATI had done a good job of teaching me all <laughs> the <laughs> arguments against it. Um, probably taking a lot of verses out of context, but I didn't know that. But anyway, um, 
So I was hoping I would be on that team, but I was actually put on the other team, the opposite team. And I was like completely out of my element because like, what? You can argue biblically for this? Like it, mm-hmm. I don't think I really participated in it. I think mm-hmm. I was just uh, sitting back at the team <laughs> listening to others, but it really was a turning point for me. Because it made me realize, like, as strongly and harshly as I was taught that this was the only way to be as a good, mature Christian, it's not the only way. Yeah. Um, and I would say that's part of the start of my change, like, coming out of legalism and fundamentalism and ATI. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, just like there are, it's good to challenge each other. It's good to even hear thoughts that we might have called heretic (laughs) Mm -hmm. or and just hear it and challenge, challenge our thinking like it not be so scared of being led astray. Just challenge Mm -hmm. it. Think it. Think about it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Go there. (laughs) Yeah. Just, you know, opening our minds up to new ideas and like I was saying about black and white, I've thought a bit more about what I wanted to say. Like, I think that the Bible is able to give us like values, like show us what things are important and we can kind of come together and Christians understand that there's certain things that are valuable, that are really important, but they'll, there'll be endless debates about what the rules are, but that's because a lot of the rules are, are cultural and they'll change and it's situational and it's, it's going to be different. And I think that, you know, Christians have tended to look at the rules, whereas I think that we need to look more at the values of of what is the bigger picture. And I think that's kind of what Jesus was talking about as well. Um, But I want to back up and talk about one of the things that put most of the pressure on me, because I really felt like I had a tremendous amount of pressure. And it wasn't just about balancing the books, although that certainly was a lot of pressure, but... The thing that caused the most pressure was hell and thinking about everybody's going to hell except for a few people that hear this message and they don't just have to hear the message, but they also have to come to church and persevere with their faith. And, you know, it it just seemed like such a desperate mission to get as many people saved as possible. And as I've talked about in previous podcasts I've really backed off from that and the podcast I just did with Merle kind of helped me clarify in my mind that you know Jesus didn't his message was not about hellfire and damnation it was about a new way of living it was about a kingdom it was about participating together in a way of life and that's where we can put our emphasis and not um and not be so focused on everybody burning in hell forever, which, um, you know, is a fairly questionable way of, of even reading the Bible. But when I had just that so much pressure on me, that kind of trickled down to put pressure on all sorts of other things. Like, well, now I can't say anything negative about the church, because if I say something negative about the church, then oh, yeah, people might not want to come to church and then if they don't want to come to church then they might go to hell right i hadn't thought about that but like 
I've had those thoughts. Yeah. Like if I, I can't say anything negative about religion because will it lead people away and then I'll be responsible for it mm-hmm. and then I'll pay for it mm-hmm. in eternity. Mm-hmm. Like I told you, I don't really seem to have the fear of hell that so many ex-evangelicals have, but I've had those thoughts. So I guess yeah. that's kind of a ramification of the teaching mm-hmm. of hell. Huh. Interesting. Obviously, I got sort of over it because I'm talking about religion. <laughs> but I still like, it still feels kind of weird sometimes. Yeah. To like, yeah. And then that affects how other people think about doctrines too. Like the book that was really interesting and helpful for us was Pure. Um, how evangelical, um, how evangelicalism shamed a generation of women. Something yeah, like that was the subtitle. Yeah, very close to that. Um, but the book is named Pure and she, you know, really looked at purity culture and really did a lot of interviews, did a lot of research and we really found a tremendous amount of freedom. Um, I didn't feel like it, it shook my faith. It was just, wow, this is something that really we need to pay attention to, you know? And, and it actually like it, I, I feel like it has brought so much healing to us. Yeah, definitely was huge for me. But she writes in that book about how her parents uh, were so against her writing this book because it was quite negative about evangelicalism and and the ways that that things weren't done right with the purity culture. And she said at one point that it was as though her mother was afraid of her committing genocide on a spiritual scale. You know, like mm. if she if this comes out, how negative it is towards women and and purity culture and all these things. What if all these people leave the faith and then you're responsible for them? Right. Because we teach about how the teachers are held to a higher standard and will be even more accountable for what they say than the average person. Right. In James, it says, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that as such, you incur a stricter judgment. So Yeah, that always made me really scared of trying to teach. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, you're already worried about, about going to hell and... What if you make other people go to hell like that? Yikes. That's pretty scary. Well, yeah. So then you really don't want to rock the boat very much. (laughs) (laughs) Just say what's safe. God loves you. Yeah. And then um, something that we're becoming more and more aware of as well is abuse and scandals. Yeah. And how much uh, Christian people and ministries sweep things under the rug. Over and over and over. I guess that connects to this, and that like you don't want to you don't want to expose it because it'll look bad on you as a church, and you need the church to bring people to Christ, so they're not saved, so they're not lost for eternity. Mm -hmm. So we're weighing the pros and the cons. We'll just ignore this, sweep this under the carpet. Yeah. Let the victims deal with it, and take all the, not have any. Uh, restoration or like any yeah. justice mm-hmm. because it's better for the sake of eternity. Yeah. Ugh, that's terrible. It is. I was just listening to a podcast from the Roy's Report podcast about Ravi Zacharias and some of the things that have come out about it. It basically sounds as though he was a sexual predator uh, for much of his career and that people were covering for him while he was a major celebrated apologist and i mean it seems as though his books the what the arguments are there the logic is sound but behind the scenes he was 
he was uh, grooming and abusing women. And people knew about it, but they silenced it because here's this great guy. And if it comes out, how will that hurt the kingdom? <sighs> I mean, not that, not that people said that explicitly, but you do kind of wonder, you know? Yeah. And again, it's this crushing weight of hell, you know, like we're so terrified of everybody going to hell that there's certain areas you just can't go. You can't think, yeah. you can't. And, you know, the Bible actually does say that do not believe um, testimony against an elder unless it's confirmed by two or three witnesses. But those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all so that others will fear and not continue in sin. And so the Bible says what we're supposed to do if an elder, if a person in authority continues in sin and he was caught and he continued and he did a put a do not um he put a gag order on his first victim but then he just continued with others like he, he wasn't repentant so he should have been exposed you know and this is just one example it's in the news right now but there's many examples like this and people just are silent about it because they don't want to hurt quote unquote the witness of the church mm -hmm. but the, here again like there is a biblical way this is a tangent here but you know with trump and with different things like this it's like people believe that the ends justifies the means right but I hear that a lot do we trust god to accomplish his will in his way yeah or do we not believe that the way that scriptures have told us things that god wants things to happen is the way to actually make them happen you know hmm. we feel as though yeah, the ends justifies the means. Just keep silent about that. Uh, we got to get people saved. The most important thing is just all these decision cards and, and getting people into heaven. Um, anyways, that's another thing that just put so much pressure on me so that I wasn't able to, to really think. And these last couple months as I've just been like, no, I don't believe that people go to hell just because they fail a doctrinal exam. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound no. like Jesus. That doesn't sound like anything reasonable um and that has just freed up this huge ability for me to be able to actually think and you know instead of thinking well if i think the wrong thoughts then i might go to hell or i might lead other people to go to hell well what if we just pursue the truth what if we just pursue health and pursue the truth and yes with the bible open and yes you know while praying and yes you know, all these things, but just pursue the truth and see where it'll lead. And like I had another, dis I had a discussion today about, um, I posted an interesting post, but apparently by an author that is not a Christian or Richard, Rohr. Richard Rohr. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I had kind of heard his name before. I kind of knew he wasn't evangelical, but it was a good quote. Yeah. You know, it was interesting what he quoted. And so I posted it and then I put my ideas next to it and, and we had a discussion. But then as the discussion went on, somebody mentioned, hey, do you know that Richard Rohr, you know, isn't a Christian and he's a liberal and, and these things? And I said, Many well, people mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, it, it came up quite a few times. And I said, look, I'm just taking this quote. And it was a nice quote, like it was an argument. It, it all fit together nicely. Premise one, premise two, and conclusion. It was nice there was enough there to discuss, but he's like, well, you know, but he's, he's a bad guy, you know, <laughs> and this kept coming up over and over in the thread. And this is a problem, I think, with 
with um, the way that we think and how we try and control people's thoughts because we try and keep everybody safe and we try mm-hmm. and, because we're so terrified of hell and we're so terrified of people believing the wrong things that instead of instead of saying this is a bad idea and so I'm going to you know conquer this idea I'm going to come against it with ideas and reason and I'm going to I'm going to change the dialogue I'm going to win the argument we say well that guy's a heretic so don't read any of his books hmm. the cancel culture it yeah it's a Christian cancel huh. culture. I mean, Christians have had cancel culture for a lot longer, for a lot longer than <laughs> the liberals. <laughs> the liberals are just listen to us. this. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's I mean that's a fear that I've walked with for a long time. Like somewhere in the back of my mind is, you know, somebody could call me a liberal and then it's over. Yeah, everything's over. And maybe part of this journey because I've kind of just like outed myself, right? on Facebook and on this podcast. And maybe part of it is just like, look guys, do your worst, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I am the worst you can imagine. Now we'll just get that out of the way, you know, (laughs) and now just accept me for who I am. You know, I kind of got out of the, I kind of pushed you out because you can't be deep into evangelical culture without a wife that is behind you and supports you. Like is behind you as the submissive against feminist (laughs) why or like maybe i'm exaggerating a little bit but like Mm. yeah like it it just kind of we did it together i guess we did i don't you keep saying that you pushed me or that it was i mean you had part of it but yeah something i want to go back to though yeah we talk about hell um like you keep talking about it um between us like about hell you know and just the impact that it has has had on mm-hmm. your life and I'm on several Facebook groups where people on similar journeys as us are on and I hear that a lot like a lot of people are like no hell just like it's just crazy like hell is crazy it brought so much fear and I've been out of the church for this many years and I still struggle and have anxiety and have horrible like have panic attacks because of hell teachings um so much fear and then I sit here and I'm like why am I not like that because like I was obviously raised very much into it in it um but then as you talk about some of these different points it's like well I have the results of all those things Mm -hmm. like I have I am scared it was scary to speak out against the church when I started this year um because I don't want to lead people to hell and it just like different things that you've said. I'm like, huh, that's kind of interesting because like, I feel like I wasn't affected by the teachings of hell, but I still have these thoughts, these Mm -hmm. subconscious thoughts in my mind. And the one sermon I remember the most from my childhood is when we studied like Jonathan Edwards and it was like all hell, hell and brimstone, fire, Mm -hmm. hell, brimstone or something like, it's like, I don't remember the sermon, but I remember the feeling. Yeah. Of reading that sermon and it's not good no <laughs> um so it it's kind of interesting even if you f- feel like me that hell hasn't impacted you as deeply as it's impacted others like you the impact is still there it's just that i'm not seeing it yet mm-hmm. or 
I need to have it more pointed out to see, like, I need to follow the trails better. Like, yeah. if, like, why am I scared of this? Why am I at this? Why am I scared to speak, to be silenced by uh, speak out against the church? Well, trace it back. Yeah. Or just different teachings like that, like that bring up feelings just to question it. Why? And tracing and then just try to trace it back. Mm-hmm. And I, I think very differently than you. So I don't get to those root things as easily as you. But as I read books, a lot of books this year, it helps me put words to what I'm feeling or to what I'm, it's all these things swirling around in my head that make no sense. So as I read, that really helps or articles or Facebook groups that are more specific um, or memes. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I follow some really good people on Instagram. Um, So like these things just really help push outside the box, but also like, yeah, just follow the lead of why do we feel like this? Why are we scared of this? And what teaching does it lead to? And then question that core teaching. Yeah. And I just did a a really great podcast with uh, my longtime pastor, mentor, friend, Merle Nisley on hell and how, and I thought he would kind of push back against me. As I said, look, I don't really believe in this. Like everybody's a terrible sinner. Um, but Jesus died for us and we need to make the decision and then we'll go to heaven. That simplistic, angry way of explaining it. I, you know, I told him, I don't really believe that anymore. And he said, you know, I've been trying to teach against this for a really long time because him and a lot of people would see the message as being much different than that. And if you look at how Jesus taught, he said the kingdom is here. And then he was helping the poor and he was on a mission to, to change the world around him. Not to say that helping people is the only thing there is. There is clearly a salvation message about your sins. But the message about what hell is like is very vague in scriptures. You have to push a lot of different verses together. And you have to mostly emphasize on Revelation. And it's strange that we take the lake of fire in Revelation. And that is literal. But everything else in Revelation is metaphorical. Like there's a bunch of weird stuff in Revelation about... Yeah, that's true. You know, trumpets and... Trump (gasps) angels and (laughs) rocks falling and all, you know, all this sort of weird stuff that's going on the dragon and woman. And anyways, um, so you can listen to previous podcast about hell. Um, sounds good. I will. (laughs) (laughs) And you out there can as well. So I want to talk about social acceptance now because, um, you know, any, any social club, there's certain rules for being accepted, right? And within the social club of Christianity, there's certain things that, you know, there's certain ways that a group controls its members. And that yeah. the word control might feel a little bit strong, but it it's accurate, right? Yeah. I mean, like, I'm part of a French association. Yeah. And, like, it's not like we control the members. But if you come on its Facebook page, you speak French. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... And if somebody comes on there and they're dominating and they're posting three, four posts a day and it's all in English, at a certain point you'd be like, okay. You have to address it. Like, this is not okay. And so there are certain ways, usually it's not done in a confrontational way, but there are little hidden ways that the Christian community controls people, right? So one of those is avoiding any appearance of evil. Oh, (laughs) 
That's why you're looking at me as you're saying it. You knew I would react. <laughs> so there is a verse about avoiding evil wherever it appears in the Greek. But oh. the King James says every appearance of evil. And, uh, and so this is used to kind of say, well, we need to stay away from, we need to protect our reputation at all costs is basically how this is interpreted. That's not what it actually means in the original Greek. In the original Greek, it, it says, if there's a little bit of evil over there, then stay away from it. Yeah, but the King James is more reliable than the original <laughs> Greek. Don't no, you it's know not. that? <laughs> <laughs> little side note. The King James comes from what was passed on. Um, it's the most bastard. Like the game of telephone throughout throughout history over 2,000 years. And they did a pretty damn good job. But then the last 200 years, they discovered archaeology. They went back and found little scraps of parchment here, there, and everywhere, and in monasteries. And then they reconstructed an even better Bible, and more which accurate. Which one is that? Is that the message? That's... <laughs> well... <laughs> And then the message happened and ruined it all. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, any Bible is based on the best originals now. Except for the King James. So if you're reading the King James, stop. Well, you know, maybe the King James, some people say it's like the only one to read because it's the best translation. But it's so old English that most people would never understand it. Yeah. So then what's the point? And it, it, it hides little churchisms like this, like abstain from every appearance of evil and there's certain meaning that people have put into yes. that word in in the old king james and because it's so like wooden and strange sounding people can come up with these things but it's not actually what the original greek meant hmm. and the newer translations yeah it might be easy to read you might feel scandalous and how easy it is to read it but actually it might be more accurately what the original actually meant um there's a possibility of being called to an elders meeting to explain yourself. Uh, hey, we heard that... In some churches, that's very common. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, you didn't finish the appearance of evil. Or okay. is that connected? Well, appearance of evil is like you, you should never be alone with someone of the opposite gender. Right. Because obviously people will think you're having sex. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought should... of that, but that's kind of like <laughs> legitimizing gossip. Huh. Gossip is accepted in the church, though. Yeah. It's prayer requests. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But it's kind of like instead of being your authentic self and just doing the things that you do with un integrity, this yeah. concept is kind of like, well, abstain from every appearance of evil. Like people might talk mm -hmm. and that might hurt our witness and then people might go to hell. Yeah. And it's like, Ugh. well, maybe I'll just live my life with integrity and, yeah. and let things fall away. And like, there's, there's things that you should be careful about. For sure. Not just in the church, though. Yeah. In society. Yeah. I mean, a single woman probably should not be walking down town, a huge city in the middle of the night. Like, yeah. it, it, it's common sense. Um, shouldn't be like that, but it is. <laughs> um, but that's not like... The way that the church interpreted interprets it, they don't talk about safety. They just talk about the appearance of evil. Yeah. So anyway, but then, yeah. So the second point you were saying was that you might be called to an elders' meeting to explain yourself. More and a, but a more likely 
thing, which has happened to me quite a few times in these last couple months, is somebody private messaging or calling up and saying, hey, you know, I'm concerned. Can we talk? Which could be, you know, it could be a nice thing, right? It could be like, hey, like, sounds like something's going on, you know, like what's going on? Um, or it could be, you need to explain yourself to me and convince me that you're not a heretic. Right. And like, you know, so now the, the burden of proof is on me to prove to you that, you know, that you need to trust me again theologically or like that, that you don't need to be worried about me theologically or that I'm not a bad person or heretic or whatever. And that's just part of being socially accepted in the church, being able to yeah. explain... Well, like I've heard things about you and, uh, and I saw you post something on Facebook and I just I was wondering if you could come meet with me for a little bit and explain yourself to me mm-hmm. as though you need to. It, it's like you're, you're accountable. You're responsible. Yeah, like you're responsible, you're accountable, you have to prove yourself in court kind of to this other person, which, you know, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, because it's you that has to prove it and the other person that gets to decide it. It's. Uh, that makes me think like many years ago when we, w- when we were pretty young um, in our marriage too, like just being asked by the church, like being told through you, of course, because you're the leader of the home, that my online journaling, which was mm-hmm. like before Facebook days, um, my online journaling where I was a new mom to my first kid and I, was ta- I would talk about breastfeeding. Um, and the men of the church deemed it wrong. Like, I I don't know. I didn't hear them. I wasn't there. It was through you, Mm -hmm. but I ended up having to like, I've stopped journaling there. I stopped journaling soon after that. I ended up having to put it all private, um, because it was like, you're not socially accepted Mm -hmm. because talk about breastfeeding on a journal that they don't have to go read. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but it's another one of those social acceptance ways. Like, is that what you kind of mean? Like, For sure. Yeah. And that was also the meeting where, because I had a blog at that time, which was kind of similar to what I'm doing now. But I had kind of at the end of it come to the conclusion that I did believe in church and I went back and I was wanting to be involved in leadership. And then they said, yeah, but you know, this blog that you've been doing, like a lot of people are kind of asking questions about it and they're wondering where you stand you know and so then it was like I deleted all my previous posts and I kept only the safe ones and kind of was a safe blogger for so that's something from that we do like what did you say the yeah just the the appearance of good yeah good polished all around Mm mm-hmm I won't cause waves. Yeah. Because that's another part of it, too, is like you shouldn't cause somebody to stumble in their faith. Right. So as a teacher, like you never want to conclude a sermon with people asking questions. You can start a sermon by saying, hey, what about this? And then you answer it. And then you answer all the questions. That's in classes about preaching, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I wasn't in those classes because I'm a woman. (laughs) It's a good thing you weren't. woman like you those sermons would be great <laughs> you would you would do some good sermons 
anymore. They're not G-rated. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the other things that are sometimes used to kind of shut down conversations is um, the Bible does say to avoid a divisive man and not to cause controversies and needless arguments. And there is some, like, there is such a thing as needless arguments, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't, you don't want to cause controversy just for the sake of controversy. Yeah. So there is something there that's like, yeah, well, you don't want to just be a shit stirrer and just stir things up for the sake of stirring things up. Mm -hmm. But also sometimes we need to have discussions about important things. And, um, and so this can be something that's kind of used to shut down and like, oh, well, you know, the Bible says don't cause too much controversy. It's like, well, we're just discussing things, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, that's an easy way to shut down conversation, like you say. I mean, like, I've been trying lately to have a few hard talks with my dad mm. about some of our differences and some of our struggles and some of the issues from our past. Um, and he just shuts it down. But that is a, an acceptable coping skills, it seems like, mm -hmm. in the church. Because it, it's, it doesn't show the fruits of the spirit of gentleness and peace and love. Mm -hmm. You know, like it. But like you got to kind of need to yell at each other a little bit right mm -hmm. now. <laughs> yeah. If we could just yell at each other and get it out and talk about it. We might have a chance at having yeah. a relationship. But if it's just decisiveness and troublemaking, if it's just viewed... Yeah, if it's just viewed as divisiveness and troublemaking, then just shut it down. You don't mm -hmm. go there. You just remain the peacekeeper. But it's like you, <laughs> you need to have some of these hard talks. Yeah, you do. A relationship is made of two people expressing themselves. Yes. And if only one person is allowed to express themselves, then that becomes kind of an abusive relationship. Yeah. Or or a dictator, dictatorship. Like there's only one opinion allowed. Yeah. And that's interesting you bring up abuse because that is a, an abuse tactic. You're the one who brought it up. <laughs> okay. okay, never mind. <laughs> well... Yeah. I talked about it. <laughs> right. So like one gaslighting tactic is is for somebody to say... Um, oh, I can't believe that you're always late when you come home. And the other person says, I'm not late. It's five to two. And he says, well, I'm not going to argue about this. Mm -hmm. Right. So then all of a sudden, well, he, he's the one that challenged her and he was actually wrong. And so then when she says, actually, this is the truth and you're wrong, he pulls back his hands and says, well, I'm not going to argue about this, which is gaslighting because it's, it's, it's making it sound like she's the problem and she's the one that's caused the argument, right? Yeah. So that's a really hurtful and common strategy is one person presents things, but then, oh, we don't want to argue. We don't want to argue. And, you know, it, it kind of looks similar to how it can be, at least in, in the church and religious circles is, you know, the pastor is allowed to say all the controversial things he wants. But then when somebody in the congregation says, well, actually, we think this, let's have a discussion about that. Hey, well, don't cause controversy. Um, along with that, getting along with everyone in the church is mandatory. We are not allowed to have any trouble in the church. You can't call people on their shit. Pastors, older people, um, just smile and nod if they say anything that is um, racist, homophobic, uh, 
climate denying, COVID denying, or extremely inappropriate about our children, just smile and nod, keep the peace. But at what point is it like, well, actually, I disagree with that. I want to have a conversation about that. I want that what you said is not appropriate. Well, if you say something like that, maybe you're causing controversy. That also ties into the whole like respect your elders. Yes. Like in the Bible to like those with white hair have the wisdom or, you know, like it, it kind of ties in, I think, with all of that. And yeah. to challenge an older person in the church can be pretty difficult. At least mm-hmm. it is for me. I mean, <laughs> last year about this time, I challenged someone at church, an yeah. older lady who dared discipline my child yeah. when I was there and grab her by the arm and tell her to stop running in church. And my daughter was didn't even know this person. I was in tears and I said, I will go and talk to her, to, to this lady mm-hmm. on your behalf. And I went and I said, do not discipline my child when I'm around. I will deal with this. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm so proud of myself for I'm doing that. Too. But that was a huge step. Yeah. And it still sticks out in my mind because it's so unusual. Yeah. Um, not at all what I was taught to do. Mm-hmm. But like, leave my fucking kids alone. Like, yeah. these are my kids. They are not yours because I'm in church. Mm-hmm. Um, or being told like, well, this family disciplines their kids so well. Their kids are so well behaved. And they're saying it in a way that makes you feel judged for your parenting skill yeah. and your kids all within the church, but they're elderly, so they're allowed to say it. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm done putting up with that. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, by the time we left church, I was like, if this was a social circle, I wouldn't keep going. Mm-hmm. So why am I continuing to go? Mm-hmm. Not, if I'm being treated like this anywhere else, I wouldn't keep going. No. So no I'm done. Yeah. Like it, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, that reminds me of a bunch of stories, but yeah. like, <laughs> you know, like one time, Years ago, back when I was good and submissive and everything, didn't submissive. say anything back. Ugh. But, you know, our one of our kids was wandering around in church. And it was a little bit normal to have kids kind of a little bit wander in church um, back then. And there were a few kids about the same age. And he wasn't causing noise. He was a calm child. And, kid, you know, people were smiling at him while, while the service was going. It wasn't, wasn't causing any trouble. But after the service, an older man came to me with a big smile and he was like, hey, I just want to give you some advice as an older man. And and he launched into this thing about how, you know, it's so important to discipline your kids. And I forget most of it. He was just very overpowering and loud in how he's telling me basically that I need to spank my kids really hard to force them to sit down through the service. And of course, with my background, it's like, no, <laughs> like uh, I'm not going to do that. Um, as like I was, and I just remember him vividly saying like, well, one time, you know, my child was wandering, went behind the pulpit and I just went up there and I gave him a big spanking right behind the pulpit and pulled him down by the arm. And, and he was saying this was a wonderful example. And I was just thinking like, no, like this is wrong what you're saying. Yeah. But for me to speak up to him as a 25 year old, whatever, and he's, in his 60s as you know like you're not allowed to do that in the church you know? yeah like that's part of do you think it's possible that that's past church too do you think so or do you think people outside the church would speak out more 
Well, if if somebody said that to me in any other context, I'd be I would have responded. I would yeah. have said that's not appropriate. And I'm not sure someone would be like, "Need to spank your kids so they sit through a service." Like that's yeah. kind of harsh. Like, yay, way to make your kid want to go to church. I know it's terrible. Like we've yeah. we've managed to raise our kids that like church. Yeah, like they miss it right now. And growing up, it's like I didn't really want to go to church yeah. because it was like you got to sit still church or else. Church was very stressful. <laughs> yeah, like you yeah. will get beat afterwards if you don't sit still. So anyways, and, you know, some of the crazy things that I would hear, because I've believed in climate change for a long time. I've been very passionate about the environment for a long time. I remember one time one of the elders of the church, um, because I was working for the garbage truck for sanitation and he was throwing out a, a refrigerator and you need to take it to a certain place at the dump and pay $20 and then they'll take the free on out of it. And he just leaned over with his wire clippers and clipped it so that all the freon came out. And like, I knew about the environment. I knew about the ozone layer and he just laughed and he said, well, I saved 20 bucks, you know, now it's just a piece of metal. And I was so mad at him, but I didn't feel like I can say anything. You know, like part of that is different generations for sure. Too. Yeah. Um, but part of it is like we need to learn to speak up. Yeah. And we can speak up to people that are older than us. And I'm still learning to do that. But I've had to practice a bunch this past year. And I don't regret a single time that I've spoken up and defended my kids with an older person or whatever. Like you mm -hmm. just need to find your voice. Um no matter where you're at, it doesn't matter if you're in religion or if you're in the church, like you have a voice Yeah. and you're a person and these are our kids. They've had their chance to raise their kids. Now it's our turn. Yeah. And so that's really part of what, where we're at now is just like, it's time to speak, you know, yeah. it's time to find our own voice. Um, I love being employed, not in ministry not in anything that affects my voice so I can just speak what I think is true. Yeah. And, and you don't then, have to have it perfect. You don't have to have it perfect. That's the thing we yeah. worked, I worked with my counselor. It's like, you don't have to be perfect. You know, we kind of go over and over in the past. Like, what do we say? How are we going to say it to make sure that whatever we're going to decide to say to the person is perfect. Mm -hmm. And there's, and we did that during our courtship to, towards my dad. Like my parents yeah. like trying to make sure everything was perfect, perfect, perfect. But it's like, we don't have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. It's okay to mess up sometimes. Like it, we're humans, you know, yeah. and it, that takes a lot of pressure off. Yeah. We don't have to be perfect and the process is part of it. And yeah. like all that I want to do is just be myself. Yeah. And somehow I find, I have found that as I'm, I'm just trying to be myself, I'm just trying to speak what I've always wanted to say. And somehow it ends up being helpful to other people mm -hmm. and something original, which is strange because I've been trying for so long to like, as I want to write, I want to be a writer. I've been trying to find something original to say. And when I'm just like, I'm just going to say what I want to say, it ends up being something original because it comes authentically from myself. Yeah, it's your experience. It's your story. Yeah. I saw in your notes you wrote swearing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got to point that out. Like my favorite coffee mug has the word fucking on it. Yeah. For best fucking sister. 
best gift ever. Yeah. <laughs> best fucking gift ever. <laughs> so what were you trying to say about swearing? <laughs> well, <coughs> so it was a big deal when I started swearing. I started swearing like in private. And then like as I was corresponding with a few pastors, as I was writing, writing journal articles that I would send to them, I started swearing in that because I felt like I needed to express a certain thing that you couldn't say unless you said, fuck you or something like that to an abuser. And then I remember the first time that I swore on Facebook, I posted a meme of Van Gogh and he had a mask half off and he said, fuck. And it was really funny because if you know Van Gogh, he cut off one of his ears. So that's why the mask wouldn't fit. But anyways, it it went over like a lead balloon. There was like one like on it. <laughs> and private messages. And private messages <laughs> from people that were like, how could you do that? How could you swear? How could you? But it was something that like, like it came from my gut. It can't it like it was like, this is the right thing to do is to put this swear <laughs> on Facebook. And I didn't know why at you the time. You didn't write it. You just shared I just the shared a meme <laughs> with a swear on it. But. And I was talking with Merle a few weeks later and what I told him as I was just kind of rambling, like I didn't, I didn't have a plan. It was just the right thing. And I, I, what I said is I think I just don't want to be on the pedestal. I don't want to be on the pedestal. Take me off the pedestal. Take, take me off the fucking pedestal. (laughs) (laughs) I'm nobody special. Don't trust me with anything. Don't listen to me. Don't, don't follow me. Don't put your confidence in me. You like to be followed. Well, sure. (laughs) I'm a normal human being with (laughs) popularity. But, like, I'm nobody special. Yeah. And I do think that that's kind of what Jesus did as well. Like, the the external measurable signs of religion, Jesus stomped all over them. Because he was saying there's something more important than tithing your mint and dill. There's something more important than, you know, giving exactly the right amount to the temple. Um, and I, I do think that we can get distracted by, you know, being neat and tidy and doing things just right. Yeah. And even getting like, don't say any swear words in your language Mm -hmm. and, and even stay clear of words like gosh and heck because they're too close to God and hell. So don't use them. You know, like it's this thing we've talked about before where you have this boundary that you don't cross for for sin but then you put boundaries further back and further back and further back until mm-hmm. you're like into way land of man-made rules yeah like, and swearing falls into that mm-hmm. it's like these are just words like yeah. if you say fuck it like it you're not meaning literally <laughs> <laughs> fuck it like it's an expression that everybody here in north america knows they hear it for what it is it's like don't look too much into it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and yeah (laughs) well yeah and words have meanings and this is something i put a lot of thought into i put a lot of thought into swearing (laughs) (laughs) i just swear because it's helpful (laughs) but like when we express the highs of human emotion and the lows of human emotion Normal people use swears. But Christians, I don't think that we're allowed to express the highs and the lows. We're supposed to kind of stay in the middle. Right. But the highs are praise to God. But, yeah, sure. But, like, 
whatever you might say, like, oh, glory in the highest. Like, it doesn't communicate, like, well, fuck yeah. You know, that's like. True. <laughs> well, that's why I'm finding swears helpful in this stage of my life. It's like, I'm feeling things very strongly mm -hmm. as I'm working through spiritual abuse background and um, difficulty with my parental relationships mm -hmm. and uh, religious trauma and all like deconstruction, you know, it's like, these are very strong emotions yeah. and these are strong feelings that I'm having to deal with. And some of the triggers are bringing stuff from years ago that I never processed that I mm -hmm. just buried because it's sort of what you do. Like it's too strong of an emotion and it doesn't fit into this nice tidy box of Christianity that I was raised in. Yeah. So you just bury it. Mm -hmm. But now it's popping back out yeah. and it's fucking hard. Yeah. And you have to swear through those emotions because those emotions are hard mm -hmm. and those emotions are intense and they are not nice and sweet and pleasant. And oh my, <laughs> no, like it's shitty. It's shit. Yeah. It's shit. And it, fucking hard and yeah. it sucks like mm -hmm. it's just yeah and unless you can express those things are we able to really work through them yeah like, and maybe some people can express them without yeah. the swearing but sure i don't care it just, it just <laughs> takes more words <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's just i mean sometimes it's just it's the right word you yeah. can use five words but like but you're also not using god's name in vain yeah. or whatever else if you're saying fuck it like yeah. it <laughs> so. and i i just think it's so hypocritical that christians will say oh i screwed up but they won't say oh i fucked up <laughs> because it is the same thing it is <laughs> in slang <laughs> and, and and yeah and christians will say like oh like he has a poopy but maybe bum. true christians don't say that well maybe <laughs> but you can say poop but not shit it's the same thing anyways <laughs> crap yeah <laughs> should i tell you my crappy story about today never mind it involves a toddler <laughs> it was not pleasant so with that <laughs> where did the poop end up oh let's not get there okay. <laughs> we might have to put an e on this <laughs> we start talking about our toddler he's at the stage of liking to take his diaper off so. oh and then give it to you as a present this is worse okay. but anyway <laughs> all right a slogan that i have decided i like and i'll end this <coughs> is be yourself loudly and see who can handle it be yourself loudly loudly and see who can handle it that's good yeah so with that we'll end this podcast thanks for listening we love you all <laughs>